0: Motasa bhagavato arahato samma samutasana motasa bhagavato arahato samma samutasa aparuta desangamatasatavara ye soravanta This is the observance night, and they uh, have uh, the monk from Titus Ajahn brought them up this morning. and no, Ajahn birthday—he's not here. Tomorrow's Guy Fox Day. So this is from the Katina time. It's uh, been uh, quite exciting to have the monks from Holland and the various comings and goings of monks. And the, the discussions and, and the uh, around the practice and ways of dealing with suffering and emotions our human, uh, the state of our humanity. And so this uh, is the uh, the Dhamma, the, how we generally when we use the words to describe Dhamma the truth of the way it is and so this is, this is uh, to be realized individually by the wise. So what this points is, to uh, is learning to uh, open and, and observe to, to use the intuitive abilities that we have rather than you know, rationalize and, and analyze. Not did anything wrong with with an, an ability to analyze, to think, and to rationalize. Certainly, a great tool that we have. But in terms of, of uh, understanding Dhamma or the truth of the way it is, it's not a matter of reasoning or rationalizing, but of observing, realizing, if It with like realization or recognizing understanding, and that understanding isn't from thinking it out and figuring it out on that level, but uh, a direct kind of understanding through through uh, tasting through knowing directly. So like, like analysis of, of thinking that we, we can, you know, we we know about things, but we may not... We, we don't know. We know about. So we can know all about a lot of things and, and we're educated there to, to acquire knowledge about all kinds of, of subjects and interesting things to, to know about. But to know directly is learning to observe. You yeah. know, this is a natural state of knowing that we're in right now, consciousness. We're all experiencing uh, the reality of consciousness at this moment. But we can be caught up in our own uh, world view. And so we, we're thinking about the future, uh, remembering the past, uh, and, and so that we're creating these perceptions into consciousness uh, at this time. So we're, not, we're not really uh, fully conscious. We're we, we attached to maybe the perceptions that arise and cease in consciousness. So this is where the self-view arises and we create ourselves uh, through remembering our past and planning the future. Seeing ourselves to, to you know, identifying with the, with the body and with the feelings, memories, thoughts, perceptions, views, opinions, and all this is just uh, uh, the way we create ourselves as a person. And that personality then is a very, se- uh, creates this sense of separation. So we, you know, we feel very separate or alienated or lonely or... Uh, always, this, this sense of isolation of me and you, because this is the result of thinking and remembering and and identifying with thoughts, perceptions, views, opinions, emotional habits. interesting on the level of emotion that. How you know, we can see uh, in a in a in a film in a movie uh, how easily you know we can be made to laugh or to cry or to experience strong emotions, and yet we know very well that the um, that it's just shadows on a screen. You know, people originally people acting out these roles, uh, these different emotions, and they project onto a screen and yet we can be so absorbed into these into these shadows that we are laughing and crying and hating and and cheering and so forth according to what's going on maybe I say you're sitting on a, in a on an airplane watching a, you know a film through uh, that's playing in the airplane and you're looking through a little screen about that big. People about that big. <laughs> and yet your mind can absorb right into it. And, and they, they're crying, they're separating the beautiful woman from her lover and you're crying with them. <laughs> on and on like this. But what is that? That's That that's how the emotions are. We can, you know, like a demagoguery, and that's the way people can play upon our emotions, can wind this up, can can manipulate it, to knowing how to uh, to use emotion to influence. So then the, the Buddha was pointing to the way of non-suffering. The Buddha said, I teach only two things, suffering and the end of suffering. Now I think that's very important to remind yourself that the Buddha put his teaching in a very simple way. It's not that knowing everything about everything, is it? It's not being omniscient in the, in the way that we our egos would like us to be to be kind of authoritative and uh, know everything about everything. Uh, but the awakened mind, the enlightened mind, it doesn't know everything about anything, but it knows the truth of the way it is. And so bringing suffering into using suffering as the kind of focus of the first noble truth. Uh, because this is the common experience that we all have. Then, in the reflecting on suffering, Buddha pointed to that when we come from ignorance and we don't understand the truth of the way it is, then the result is always some kind of suffering. So, even if if your life is a you're successful and healthy and appreciated and, and all the best, there's still suffering. And even when all the everything's going right and everything's at its best, when you really observe that's still suffering, if there's ignorance, if there's abhita. Which in this implies not knowing that the Dhamma, not knowing the truth of the way it is. So even thinking I'm a great success, I'm I'm a wonderful person, this also creates sense of suffering because it is isolating and, and the more we, we see ourselves in terms of, uh, of adjectives, you know, I am good, bad, or whatever, uh, then even I am good is a form of suffering because when you really observe, when you're really aware, you re- recognize that it's a, a separation again. I am uh, this or that, or I should or I shouldn't be. So then, Buddha said, "I teach two things: suffering and the end of suffering." And so, what what is the end of suffering? And because that is that, when you try to think about it, you end up thinking, "Well, that's impossible." Or this maybe you have to just pump yourself with positive thinking endlessly, you know, the kind of, you know, perpetual kind of uh, refrain of "I'm happy, I'm happy, <laughs> I'm wonderful." Uh, power of positive thinking can 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 give you a sustained sense of maybe get you high. You might be able to to feel very high with with that kind of uh, ability. But the problem is with getting high is that you can't sustain it. You, know. you, can, you can get high, but to sustain a high is an impossibility. So then, what comes up must come down. So the, the end of suffering then isn't finding this kind of a, a bland mediocrity of, of kind of dullness, the kind of point between high and low, that is this unfeeling and uh, with nothing, you know, just kind of a, a dreary plane of, of neither pleasure nor pain. But it's transcending. And so at this moment, to transcend, what is it? What, what is the transcendence right now? So when you try to find it as something you can't, you know you, you, you end up looking and feeling you know, feeling despair or feeling you've got to get something you don't have now or thinking that that, uh, you know, there's that you've really got to do something work hard at your meditation in order to, to get nirvana and, and that uh, maybe you never will and on and on like this or, instead of thinking in terms of gain the loss of just trusting in in just paying attention, in just being present. So even if you're feeling suffering miserable physically or emotionally or whatever, you find the end of suffering comes the moment you opened it, or when you began when you trust in your ability to Embrace it, or accept it for what it is. So, it's learning to, to is an act of faith or sadha, of of allowing the world to be what it is, the condition, both internally, externally, because that's all we can do. You know, much as I might not want something right now. Uh, you know the fact is that uh, this is the, if something unpleasant is happening, then this is the way it is. And to spend my time resenting it, not wanting it, then I'm creating more suffering. On it. I'm creating my own resistance or judgment or uh, wanting to control, wanting to get rid of something. But as soon as I open to that, inc- include even my own resistance and aversion. So this is like sati-sampatanya. Remember, for the sati uh we talked about sati, which is translated as mindfulness. Uh, sampatanya is clear comprehension, usually in the in books, but uh, well, I found a better, better words uh, is like for sampanya is words like apprehension or apperception. Like perception is a, is the conditioning of the mind. It isn't like you think a thought or a a thought or a memory or emotion. Uh, these are perceptions. They perceive things through the senses. Things and objects, so it's a function of of the of the mind and the sense activeness of your senses. And then after sense after perception, it means that to be able to perceive perception, so it's uh, what it means. Is a kind of intuit, intuition. So at this moment, as we as we, uh, say. if we try to be mindful, we've got some idea of being mindful. Then we, we tend to miss the point. It's not a matter of of trying to be mindful, but of uh, just being being mindful, being aware. It's not anything that you you've got to you you've, uh, you know you've got to create. It's not a created state. And which you, you've got to, to make it into something. But it, it's learning to trust in the simple uh, imminent act of paying attention right now, of opening to this present moment, which includes everything that we are experiencing through consciousness of this moment. So that it includes the body as experience. You know, the body this physical body right now they are... i can be aware of the experience of of this physical body in in uh, because of consciousness so you know when we meditate on the four postures sitting standing walking lying down you're not trying to you know analyze postures or or idealize postures even you know, there is a certain right way to sit and a certain right way to walk and stand and lie down. Uh, because then we form ideas, like perfection, uh, ideals of perfect physical posture. Uh, and then we try to make our bodies uh, kind of do that according to some idea we might have. And so we're not, we're, we're coming from an idea, a perception of posture and then trying to, to make it happen according to this this perception. Where our perception would include that, just noticing. And and it would include even our own views about posture or and the posture itself. Now, I mean just reflecting on sitting is like this. There's not saying that you've got to sit like I do, and then you've got, well, it's, it's being aware of the experience of a physical body as, in consciousness at this moment.
1: So it's, as you,
0: as you uh, trust in doing this, then it, it, uh, you begin to you see that the, that suffering ceases when you're not always trying to to make your body do something, or or you know, or just ignore it, or uh, you know, try to try to uh, uh, get away from it, or deny it, or to judge it in any way, even if it's uh, old or thick or deformed or whatever, we're not we're not. We're not asking it to be anything other than to be accepting of it as experienced the way it is now. Then the breath, isn't it? We're breathing now. Bodies are breathing. Now this is we like sati sampachanya We we open. And then we, we, and then that that field of apperception is, is, includes, it's not, it's not divisive, it's not shutting out anything, it's not trying to ignore anything, it's not trying to absorb into anything in particular, it's not, uh, it doesn't come from some idea, it's got to get something or get rid of something, because it would include that very desire of trying to get, something or get rid of something. So it's a very natural state of being. It's, it's, it's not a created mental state. It's not like a, a jhana or something of, of refinement of conscious experience. It's, it's not... It's, it's available to us all the time. You know, It's not not dependent upon uh, meditation halls or, or methods So mindfulness allows us to flow with life because it, wherever we are in the midst of a battlefield or uh, a flood or a fire or a meditation retreat, we're alone in our kuti on a mountaintop or in, in, the, in the temple. These are None of these are obstructions. There's no obstructions to sati-sampatanya. Satipanya, as we always use, sati and panya, So panya is wisdom, and is this, a, is this a kind of wisdom isn't uh, wisdom that you acquire from reading uh, books about philosophy or the wise sayings of sages. And wisdom is also natural to this state. So when, when we when we open, when we pay attention to life, then there's wisdom. Wisdom will it can operate then when we're not trying to when we're not caught in our ignorance and our delusion. So it's not like you you acquire wisdom that you don't have any and you've got to get it. But it's learning to to let go of the things that block it off that that seem to cut you off from the source of wisdom which is ignorance of other not understanding the Dhamma, not knowing the truth of the way it is, and then wisdom, you know, we can memorize all the wise sayings of the sages and repeat them perfectly and impress other people <laughs> and still not be in touch with wisdom at all. So at this moment and the posture, the breath. Is, what what is the mood or the state of mind? And as I say so with you're you're contemplating, you're not you're not trying to you're not judging on saying you should have or shouldn't have any state of mind, but you're noticing. Know so like our perception allows this this uh, it, it, it includes. So you're, you're just noticing now, you're reflecting on all the bodies like this, the breath, like this. You can stay with the breath, Anapanasati, or you might know, notice the, uh, there's this, uh, a strong kind of emotional state you're in, or mood. Maybe you're feeling anxious, or tense, or relaxed or happy or sad or whatever. But there's no judgment in this. This isn't a judgmental thing. You're not saying what should or shouldn't be. You're just, I think the mood is like this. If you're feeling confused or doubt ridden or discontented or whatever, it's like this. Then it's like this. Or as is this? You're accepting it. This is when you're judging it. Then you say, "I shouldn't feel like this." And this. then you're then you and you're not being. You've lost it again. You, you're caught in in coming from how your ideas about how things should be, rather than just noticing the way it is. So, like like all. Conditions are impermanent, the pay Sankarani Chā. All Dhamma's not self. These are these are guidelines for ways of looking and relating to experience. So when you begin to notice, let's say, the mood or the emotional state your relationship to it now is including it rather than uh, resisting or judging or indulging. And then what happens? Uh, when you when you allow things to be what they are, then you're then you're not you're, you're not resisting, you're not fighting, you're not indulging. So then you begin to. To re- realize the flow or the changingness of the conditioned realm, so the the body, the the emotions, the the breath, the sensor, the, uh, the sensory experiences are in this uh, incessant, and relentless, changing, inexorable change, transiently. But there's uh, this awareness of change. Isn't it? your, your refuge is in, in now in awareness rather than trying to get a perfect uh, kind of mental state or physical state or situation that you can take a refuge in, a, in something that, that uh, you like or that you want. But your refuge isn't in, in any object or mood or state of being, but in this awareness. And learning to trust and relax and and be open to the flow of life as as we have to experience it. Because each one of us has to experience life from where we are. That's why we say, knower of the worlds, low can we do, you know. We think there's only one world. But each one of us is in a different world right now and we're caught into our own views, opinions, feelings, Mm -hmm. attitudes. sometimes, don't you find it rather bewildering when, when, you know, why does he have to act like that, you know? Why does he do that? And... uh, we, become, we can't understand each other, because we think everybody's in the same world as I am. I think we're all here, you know. So whatever, you know, if I feel like this and, you know, I do things this way, and then uh, you should be doing it like that also, is the, is the kind of logic that comes from, from just seeing the world as, as the world I'm experiencing. But the world is condition, isn't it? And so each one of us is, is creating the world and it's not going to be the same world. Where it gets to be the same is when we transcend the world in the transcendence through awareness. And then the differences are no longer the the uh, important uh, and they are no longer important to it. They're no longer the things we identify and cling to and believe in. That is the consciousness, example, is uh, you know, when you when you realize what, what the experience of consciousness is. Right now they it's, it's light, isn't it? To be conscious is to be able... You know, there's an awareness. You know, if I were unconscious, or dead, I mean, but consciousness is like this. And then, if, then conditions arise. So emotions might arise. might anger, or greed, or, or fear, or whatever comes. but but my refuge now is in the is in is in the pure state of consciousness rather than in the conditions that arise and cease. Or if I don't notice this, if I don't recognize this, then I immensely kind of identifying with the conditions that rise and cease. So life is an endless kind of struggle for me because there goes rising and ceasing. How can you make the world, you know, into something that that you want and and according to your own views and ideas. I like that I've used this uh, sound of silence for years because some people don't find it very helpful, but others do. But, but that also is, is uh, to me is, is uh, when I when I pay attention, then that's where the, the mind is in a state of, of the, There is this consciousness. The pure consciousness is in it's pure. It's not. I'm not coming from any from any uh, conditioned place. That's why when you come from an idea or a doctrine or something, then 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 you have to use logic, you know. So you, you come from an idea that how things should be, or or there is, you know, from from statements about you know kind of uh, categorical imperatives and positions that we take, then that. That is, um, you know, then we then we start. We have to deduct from that. So if the logic comes from like a, from a metaphysical doctrine, like most religions use metaphysical doctrines as a, as their kind of that's the the, the, the essence is the metaphysical positioning. Where in, uh, in, in, this, in Buddhism, in contrast, he uses the Noble truth which are, you know, in contrast, Noble Truths are not metaphysical doctrines. No, you, you can't you know, say, like the first Noble Truth statement, there is dukkha, there is suffering. is not a metaphysical teaching. It's not saying everything is suffering in some kind of absolute way, um, that you start from believing everything is suffering. And that's where many people misunderstand Buddhism, because because it, it approaches the the question from the opposite end of the spectrum, isn't it? It's it's, an, it's inductive rather than deductive. If you say I believe in God, then that you deduct from that. But there is suffering, then you you're not you're not taking suffering as 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 a, as a doctrine but as a truth to open to, to notice what suffering really is. So the idea of understanding it. But then the English word understand also easily we think it we, we have to define suffering. You know, have it all figured out in different kinds of suffering. And, and who causes it, and and all that? Who's to blame for my suffering, <laughs> or is God punishing us because of? You know, we could assume that maybe, maybe we are now in, 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 you know, involved in a purgatory. I used to think that this is, you know, this is what we're all experiencing. You know, in some maybe having committed some terrible sins in some previous realm, I got sent to this one to, to purify myself. Sometimes it feels like that. <laughs> or maybe this is hell, you know, they go to hell and sometimes, you know, it does seem like hell. Unmitigated, and. Sometimes life gets so miserable that you can't you can't have one kind of mitigated experience of pleasure, unmitigated it seems forever. But even in hell, isn't it? The, uh, our perception includes hell and heaven at the same moment. In doesn't divide one from the other; it includes good and bad, right and wrong, everything, the dualities are included. Uh, so that, so there's, there's no, it's not a divisive function. So we can tune into that as, as human entities, you know, in, in this very simple way, through, through learning to trust in Paying attention to life, listening, uh, observing, uh, noticing, contemplating, reflecting. So then the end of suffering, reali- it's a realization. Understanding, uh, understanding suffering is to stand under it or to open to suffering, not to, to figure out why do I suffer? What's wrong with me that I suffer so much? Because we can uh, you take it personally that there's something wrong with me or that it's your fault. You know, The world is, I'm a victim. Um, of uh, insensitive world that i have to live in <laughs> or uh, i'm just somehow inadequate and i'm, I'm uh, it's my fault but understanding means that it doesn't mean trying to find out why or how or who's to blame but it's this noticing suffering Suffering is like this. You begin to observe how you create it, how by thinking, by your obsession, by the way we cling to to our emotions or perceptions or views and opinions. <clears throat> it's like like in terms of being right. You know, it's interesting living in a community of good people, you know, where you have. You know, people are all quite, you know, trying their best to be very good in these monastic communities, and then, and uh, so you have, you know, you have a kind of special situation where, where the kind of quality of human endeavor is very high, where the moral commitment is high, where the intention is very high, very good. But still, you know, the suffering about, you know, I've, I've experienced this myself, feeling I'm right, and somebody else is wrong. And so I can get into a very, I can create endless suffering about me being right, and you being wrong. And and, uh, and, uh, and then you feel, you know, that you, you have to somehow make the other person know that they're wrong. And you have to, you know, and you've got to make them admit, you're wrong and I'm right. And by doing that, what happens is you, you just make it worse. You know, you get into deadlock. Uh, you, know, you can see it in, in just the way the world operates. The film we saw yesterday, The Jack Language of the Jackal, you know, where you, where you, where you accuse, or, or uh, you know, hold firmly to to the sense of your own righteousness and the wrongness of somebody else. But our perception includes that. So, like, just being and like, because I this was certainly uh, one one of my traits in my life. To be very convinced of my own righteousness is, is opening to that, learning to 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 listen, to to notice what it's like to be right, to feel that I'm right and somebody else is wrong, to feel that they should admit they're wrong and say, and know that I'm right. Uh, just by my opening to that feeling and the mood that I create when I think in this way, when I feel this way. So, at that moment of opening and including, and it's not it's not saying I shouldn't feel righteous, because that's another one. You know, you're just adding more, you're getting more complicated. But even but it's including that righteousness. So that it's seen for what it is, that attachment to that feeling is, is suffering. So when you let it go, you you realize the suffering, you, you recognize you understand the understanding of suffering, you let go. Let go of the of this uh, view. And then I notice that's the end, of suffering, letting go. As if the suffering is in the clinging, the attachment, not in the view itself, but in the identity, identification that are clinging to it. So these are, these you can prove for yourself. I mean, this is within our ability to to know this for ourselves. This is not, you know, something that I can do because I've been a monk for so long that that, that you know, you could easily perceive it that, well, he's been a monk a long time, I can't do that. But you can include that view. Wherever, whatever you're thinking or believing in, you include it. Not by believing it, but Anymore, but in, by listening to it, recognizing it, a view as a view, an opinion is an opinion, it's easy to, you know, to to, to see yourself in, in terms of of uh, you know say if you're going to compare yourself to me, if you 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 well, he's he's been a monk for so long. And, and I'm just uh, you know a beginner a lot of anger a lot of resentment and then you hold to those views or you can open to those and see views as views so it's not a matter of even of even time in the order or in years of practice or in in any position but it's learning to trust in 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 the moment of awareness. So like the, the Pali word sadar or faith to me, now this is a very significant word. Uh, because I I I this is, you know, my faith is, has got become, is is very strong because of the years of practice, you know, putting this to the test and uh, seeing if, you know, if it's, you know, if it's true. And the Buddha wanted us to find out. And he said, you know, you have all these words like examine or investigate. There's where to investigate, which to.'" Look in there. You only saw Manasikara. Get to the very root of it. You know, see the causes. No. And as you keep keep testing it out, knowing, then then the sadha increases. And and as the sadha strengthens, then and the wisdom, they work together, the panya and, and Sana, they kind of balance each other with Sati. But the, the, the reason why I've got a lot of sata now is because I didn't have all that much when I began. <laughs> I was a very a skeptical person, you know, even, you know, quite cynical. I didn't even think Buddhism was going to work when I first started. I I read so many kind of highfalutin philosophies and you know, back in the 50s when I was a real, you know, really 13, uh, in the 1950s, there was all these kind of uh, books coming out, you know, Eric Fromm and How to Know Yourself and all these kind of things and I, and uh, psychology, and it was becoming very pop psychology was the beginning, and, and uh, book clubs were were sending you know all these kind of pop psychology books and reading all these books avidly and trying to find you know a a, a way of, of, of resolving my unhappiness with life. And so, you know, you, you get inspired, you get by reading things, and you, you, you know, you get... But you don't know how to do it. You, you, you you've read so many what other people say, but you haven't a clue of how to, how to really do it yourself. So when I became a monk, started meditating, and there was that cynicism of having, you know, been inspired and kind of felt let down by so many things already... Then I was fully expecting to be let down by Buddhism. You know. Well, I'll give it a try. But it was, there was, but the sana, there was enough sun to get me going, you know, get me, get me started. Then after the thirty-four years, you know, the sun is very strong. Because you can see the result. It is you know if you you can prove it suffering and the and the end of suffering very simple you know and and so it it's like you know to you know in a worldly sense it doesn't sound like very much You you know do you know everything about everything or be the authority. And and like many of us have talked about this, how we, you know, as you practice more, you you know less. Where, you know, I knew much more 30 years ago. (laughs) In terms of I, I, I had more opinions, more views, more kind of ideas about everything. than I have now, there's no longer an interest in it, in having opinions and views and knowing all about everything. Because one recognizes that what you do, what this is what is necessary, what is valuable to know suffering and the end of suffering. So I offer this as a reflection for this evening. Um. Tried to kill him, and they—they—they they, they tried to blame him for horrible things, and uh, you know, people would spread nasty rumors, and you know, just awful things happened to him after after his enlightenment. And yet, the, that was—you know—why? Why didn't the Buddha just say, you know, I've had enough of this. I'm going to find a nice, peaceful place well, I don't I have to be bothered with it. Instead, he, he established the monastic sangha, bhikkhu Sangha, and established a, a discipline and a tradition that we still enjoy now after 2,500 years. So so that's quite a remarkable feat when you think of it, that an institution can last so long. Based on such things, things that don't seem, you know, like alms mendicancy. Not on trust funds or anything like that, but on alms on mendicancy. Based on the fact that human beings are generous and kind and want to be. Uh, The teaching itself isn't based on on a kind of Indian philosophy or a kind of attitude or fashion of a particular age. It's based on, on a universal reality. So it's, it's the, the the realization is through awareness, through awakeness, not through believing in in Buddha or in anything at all. So you, you know they're not established a teaching that that even believes in uh, that you have to believe in, in 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 concepts of any sort. That the whole aim of it was to encourage this awakened awareness. Well, this is is very much what people in the West are very much, are, see as valuable. This is why Buddhism is, you know, is at this time such an ancient religion becoming so highly respected and regarded in the, in the Western world. Many people wonder why. What is it about the, this religion that, that people find so interesting? And I get asked this quite a lot. They want to know. But it is the thing that attracted me, and I'm sure most of us, Western uh, people, is that we feel a need for something like this awakened awareness. This has not been uh, something that we we can find so clearly stated, so well taught within our own cultural tradition. Uh, And so we've we find it very well presented and very uh, in an acceptable and and inspiring way within the uh, Buddhist tradition this is uh, in modern psychology now you find uh, that more and more western science and psychology is, uh, you know, is, is actually becoming more and more Buddhist. Even though they might not want to admit this. <laughs> but uh, when you look at, like, like remember uh, psychotherapies or psychology a few, you know, like 20, 30 years ago, uh, was, was very much affirming uh, that you've got to develop your ego and assert yourself as a personality and and, and make yourself into somebody according to some idea of what a normal and healthy person should be. And now you find that so many of the modern uh, psychotherapies are not doing that anymore. They're much more moving toward a, like an anatta uh, style of teaching. And more in a sense of awakening and observing rather than trying to get rid of these bad habits or make yourself, you know, trying to develop good ones. It's more through through uh, paying attention, through embracing, through accepting uh, life and and observing it, noticing it learning from it So this is another you know, kind of very good uh, sign of the times, because to me this is is like the fulfillment of, of of a human life. It is this this opportunity we all have? Is not just to you know the opportunity to become rich, famous, have um, be a winner, you know, get prizes, get uh, accolades of all of different kinds, and and become president or prime minister or you know that those might seem like the perfection of human life, but they're not really. You know those things now seem rather shallow and 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 really not very attractive goals for one's life in any way. Because the you know the like the materialist age, which which holds up wealth and power is some kind of goal that we should strive for, most of us don't, aren't interested in that. We don't find that. You know, something that we would would want to use my life to 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 have those kind of results, where the the practice, uh, the life of the bhikkhu, the the meditation, the, uh, the this increasing sense of awakened awareness, and the the peace and the joy that come out of that, is uh, something that. That I'm sure all of us, uh, if you know, if you if you if you've not experienced that, it's what you long for. And as you begin to realize that that's your true nature, that it's natural to us, that our true nature is that purity, that joy. Then we begin to to trust in it more and more, and to to relax and begin to open and learn. From life as we have to experience
1: so life as we have to
0: experience it is isn't always going to be an easy ride like in the scriptures of the Lord Buddha you know he got great Buddha becomes enlightened enlightened master and then he, he has to deal with all kinds of difficult problems in the order bhikkhus, bhikkhunis and the, you know, the lay people with the the politics of the time, the kings could get jealous of him or the you know, different, endless kind of upheavals and difficulties around politics and economics and social problems. And uh, and so this is... is and, and then the Buddha had to deal with just his own humanity, getting old, sickness. And in the scriptures, you really had suffered from pain or from... They, you know aches and pains and fevers and things like this he wasn't like a kind of superman that he was beyond all that, but the story is uh, you know of the attitude towards this how we towards old age sickness death towards uh, uh, failure and loss and and despair and and conflict and and war and and unhappiness in the human realm—it's—it's it's relating to it in an open way, rather than than just letting life become something that that destroys you or frightens you. So, uh, offering this as a reflection for uh, for today, the Katina Day and so many people made this katina possible they, uh, uh, and, and 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 The Kun Malirat and Kun Pang and Kun kicha and the Thai community that, that uh, eagerly very eagerly got together to try to, to uh, be the, the sponsors for the katina this year and then uh, they're interested in including everybody in this this katina ceremony, so that everybody uh, can kind of feel that they've, that they've all contributed to it and been a part of it. Uh, the the um, uh, the organizers of it, the the people that that have done the decorating, Annie who arranged the flowers, and the and the, went down to Covent Garden by all these beautiful exotic flowers <laughs> spent yesterday kind of arranging them in the a most kind of gorgeous arrangements and uh, all this is uh, done with a kind of joyfulness and, and, uh, uh, and happiness that will eagerly arise rising up to these situations to, to contribute and add something of beauty uh, to our life. So it's uh, then the monks, the uh, Ngpa here and, and the, from then Harnam, uh, the nuns, uh, all uh, joining in on this very auspicious event. So I want to, to say how much I personally appreciated it, appreciate it, and that um, my life here in the UK has been uh, a great blessing for me and uh, it's uh, certainly uh, proven to me the the validity of the Buddhist teaching that it it isn't just a whinging little leave me alone type of life (laughs) my tendency is to do that actually (laughs) it is an increasing sense of of joy and a sense of, of being connected of being uh interrelated of being a part of uh, of a whole rather than just some isolated oddball of a Buddhist monk in a in a <laughs> in a country where they think where they call me Hare Krishna. <laughs> so I offer this as a reflection for you. So we also after after I pass out these calendars and these calendars. Ajahn Menindo from Abedit Harami designs that helps to publish these beautiful calendars every year. So we have these here to, to give to you. 2001. Year 2001. And then after uh, we'll invite Lumpar uh, Nate to uh, give, a, give us a talk in Thai and uh, I think it's very important uh, especially the Thai community Uh, if you understand Thai uh, it's, uh, you know, it's interest in in his uh, in this uh, flood fund for the Isan because uh, living there when recognizing the the uh, the problems, just the physical problems of survival and so I think we're all interested in hearing his, his, his uh, view of this and how we can all help.